0: Well, we're so happy to be back with you again. And before we begin, I just ask that you would bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your watch care that you take care of us. I pray just now that as we study both science and scripture that you would bless us with your presence in the name of Jesus. This message is entitled, Natural Healing and the Brain. We look back in history, and actually we look right now to the present, and children, were are told on average these days, spend about eight minutes outside a day in the United States. And that blows my mind, especially when you contrast this, I learned this in a TED talk, with Prisoners in maximum security prisons spend on average two hours per day outside. So this kind of begs the question, who is actually held captive and what is holding them captive? What did children do when we were younger? When I was a kid anyway, I mean I'm 40 years old but what did children do? What did I do in my spare time as a kid? We spent time outside, whether it was summer or winter and I'm from cold weather and we got a lot of snow in the winter but still in the, in the winter we'd be out playing in the snow making an igloo or some fort in the snow and in the summer we'd be riding our bikes we'd be playing in the streets and whatnot but times have changed and could it be that things like this are keeping us from things like this and I am afraid so at least for the large majority or the vast majority of people today speaking of nature when we look at the life of Jesus the Bible says in the morning rising up a great while before day Jesus went out and departed into a solitary place in their prayer it was a very common thing for Jesus to spend time out in nature whether it was in prayer whether it was white walking to the next destination that he was going to with his disciples they went out and they spent time we think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane not Only prior to his death but that was a place that they would often retreat to and so his experience with his Heavenly Father was often in nature and so too with the disciples their experience with Jesus was often in nature not only that he spoke to the crowds time and time again on the mountainside or by the sea we see that nature was a special part of the ministry of Jesus and we're told that God made nature for our happiness God who made the Eden home of our first parents so surpassingly lovely, has given the noble trees, the beautiful flowers and everything lovely in nature for our happiness. We're gonna look at a study on nature, technology and memory.
1: Walking in nature with and without a cell phone. This study was done. Uh, They took test subjects and they were to walk through an arboretum to see how nature and technology could affect their memory. One group would walk for 30 minutes through the Arboretum talking on the phone, so they're in nature, walking, but on their phone. The second group would hand over their cell phone before the walk. Another group would take the memory test before going on the walk. So what was the result? While taking a memory test, those who were on the cell phone scored about 30%. The results were about the same for those who took the test before the walk. So whether they um, took the walk or they were on their cell phone, they scored the same. Those who walked for a half an hour in nature without their cell phones scored an average of 80%. That's significant, 80% compared to 30%. That's a big jump. And so if you wanna do well in school, if you wanna do well, at work and have your mind you know fresh when you when you have to do something very important at work uh, taking a walk in nature without your cell phone would be the optimal thing to do about phone time and delayed gratification researchers compared young children who were mobile media users with those who did not use mobile media devices Children who use mobile media were substantially worse than non-mobile media users when it came to being able to delay gratification. So delayed gratification. One of the greatest predictors of success in later life is the child's ability to have strength in the area of delayed gratification. And so if you want your child to have success later in life, teaching them to have delayed gratification today is very important. And that means putting off some pleasures for a a bigger opportunity, putting off pleasures for a later enjoyment, Um, learning to say no to some things. These are all things that help us to learn how to delay gratification because ultimately, that's how you become successful in life is learning to make these good decisions for example um if you've ever heard about the um, marshmallow experiment that they did with young children and uh, you can watch it on youtube or something you just put in marshmallow experiment and you'll see what they did this happened in the 70s and um, they followed these children through their life and what they did with the kids is they put them in a room an empty room with a table and a desk or a table and a chair and a plate and on that plate was one marshmallow and the researcher said to the child if you can wait until i come back in the room i'm going to leave the room and if you can wait until i come back in the room i'll give you a second marshmallow and so they wanted to see do these children have the ability to delay their gratification so that they can get not just one but two marshmallows well it's really cute to watch these kids Sit and um, they look at the marshmallow. They some of them sniff it. Some of them actually go as far as licking it, but not eating it. And some actually, uh, before the the researcher is even done telling them what to do, they take it and eat it. They don't even listen to hear what all is being said. They just can't help it. There's a marshmallow in front of them. They figure it's on a plate in front of them. It's for them. They just take it and eat it. So they followed these kids for like 35 to 40 years to see what would happen to them in life. And what they discovered is that these kids that were able to delay gratification at a young age, between the ages three and five, is the the ones that were experimented, they found later in life that they did well in their ACT scores, and um, they did well in school in general. They were more successful in life had uh, less obesity. Uh, It was just all kinds of things that have to do with delayed gratification. They did better later in life. So a wonderful thing to to instill in our children at a young age. How about viewing nature and delayed gratification? A study was conducted to discover if looking at nature could help increase the power of delayed gratification. Subjects were to look at pictures of nature mountains or lakes or pictures of buildings in the city. And what what they saw was those who had looked at the pictures of nature exhibited substantially more power of delayed gratification and self-control. So not just being in nature, but just looking at pictures of nature, helped people to have more uh, power uh, of delayed gratification and self-control that is just incredible just looking at pictures of nature instead of looking at pictures of cityscapes and things like that so you can't improve on god you know like what what he's made for us and what what we have out in nature uh just really helps us in so many ways especially um having delayed gratification so if you want your children to have delayed gratification the best way is to get them out in the outdoors in nature where their minds are just free from all the distractions, because we saw that mobile media addicted young children have less delayed gratification. And so you're just setting them up for failure if if you set them up to be addicted to these things early on. But instead, you put them out in nature and you're teaching them to be more or or teaching them to have more self-control and delayed gratification.
0: The Bible says in Psalm 72, verse 3, the mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. Now, there's something about nature that it brings peace to us. It, it is actually life changing. And simply looking at something as beautiful as this. Imagine living in a place like that. Wow, that'd be glorious, huh? And what about listening to nature? Can listening to nature also impact our mental health? So we're going to look at some research on listening to nature. This is a study from the University of Sussex, and they had participants. They were to either listen to natural environments or artificial environments. The natural environmental sounds included wind in the trees, and another environmental sound was a babbling brook, which is always enjoyable to listen to. And MRI scans were done of their brains, and they discovered that during the natural sound, the brain had an outward focus. And during the artificial sounds the brain had an inward focus similar to what is seen in people with depression anxiety and PTSD and I've actually gone through depression uh, a number of years ago and one of the things a friend of mine said it and I, I know we don't typically think about it this way this sounds like insulting and he wasn't trying to be insulting he was a guy who struggled with depression too and he, he mentioned that depression often involves thinking a lot about yourself selfishness now It doesn't necessarily mean you're seeking to be selfish but you keep going over and over and over and over thoughts about yourself where you've made mistakes you're not good at this or maybe you feel guilty or whatever it is but you go over and over these thoughts and what they found is that people who listen to these artificial sounds I don't know maybe city sounds things like this that it tended to have an inward focus whereas those listening to the natural sounds turns the mind away from self Onto the beauties or the sounds of nature and this brings peace to the individual whereas the opposite is true for maybe these artificial sounds and those who at the beginning of the study had the highest levels of stress had the most significant drop in their stress levels during the natural sounds so what do we see here that some people might say but I'm just too busy okay I get it there's a benefit to going and spending time in nature it brings peace and and a calmness, but I I just don't have time. I'm too busy for that. I'm stressed like crazy, but I'm too busy. But it's that person who needs it the most. Those who are the most stressed at the beginning of this study had the greatest benefit to listening to the natural sounds. There's a book called Councils on Health, and it it says on page 171, a sweet sense of restfulness and refreshing comes over them as they listen to the murmuring breezes. The drooping spirits revive, the waning strength is recruited. Unconsciously, the mind becomes peaceful, the fevered pulse more calm and regular. And so we're gonna now look at nature and relieving stress. All right, let's talk about nature and relieving stress. Students were sent into a forest for two nights. They discovered that students who spent time in nature had lower levels of cortisol than students in the city. And what is cortisol? Cortisol is a stress hormone. It's something that uh, goes through our body in stressful situations. And another study showed that students in nature had lower levels of heart rate and lower levels of cortisol. So there's something about spending time in nature that actually lowers our stress levels.
1: So here this study is called urbanization and incidence of psychosis and depression follow up study of 4.4 million women and men in Sweden. And this study was conducted on the entire population of Sweden of those aged 25 to 64. So this is really big study. And Swedes are quite active in nature naturally. Um, we've lived in Norway and Iceland and Scandinavians in general compared to Americans um, get out quite a bit. Even in the dead of winter, they just accept the weather they live in and that's just how it goes. I remember one of the first weeks we were there, we went out hiking to a mountain with some with some of the young people there and it took us quite a bit of time to get together and when we got out of the cars, we started walking. and next thing i knew there was hail coming horizontally into our face actually into our face hail just like hitting us and i thought oh maybe we should just head back to the cars you know i just kind of stop and everybody else just keeps walking and talking and i looked at Chad and i said wow we're in for a rough year (laughs) because it doesn't they they just think there's always going to be some bad weather and so we just keep going forward so that's just how it is and so Uh, These Swedes are quite active in nature, and in areas where the most populated, it increased the chances of someone having psychosis by 68 to 77%, and increased the chances of having depression by 12 to 20%. So if you're in a populated area, like a city area, you're more likely to have psychosis and depression compared to people who were in a more country type setting. That's significant. I mean, 68 to 77% psychosis. Wow, just incredible. The difference between living in the city and in the country. What about the healing garden?
0: Scores of studies have been conducted on gardening and how it affects health. I could go actually study after study after study and show them all with you. But for time's sake, we're just gonna sum them all up. And gardening has been shown To benefit, it's been shown benefits on levels of anger, anxiety, body mass index, mental function, depression, fatigue, life satisfaction, loneliness, mood, self-esteem, tension, and vigor. Now, if I had a pill that I was selling that had benefits in every single one of these areas, I would be a billionaire because nothing benefits in so many different things like this gardening how amazing to think that it can help with anger anxiety your weight you know mental function depression fatigue life satisfaction loneliness mood self-esteem tension and vigor i mean in almost all the areas of life that you would want to be helped gardening actually helps and so i'll tell you just personally i love to garden it's one of my very favorite things to do in the summer i spend the day working in the garden And in the winter, I spend time thinking about gardening. (laughs) You know, you think about what am I going to grow next year. Oh, you're
1: still out there. You're. Oh, it's
0: true. I'm working out today. I'm working out and you know splitting splitting wood and uh, spend you know time out there every day almost, but or generally most every day. But still, I look forward to gardening. I got to say that there's something about being out there and you know seeing you know working hand in hand with God where you plant the seed, but I can't make it grow. Sure, we can water it, we can do the best we can to take care of the soil, but ultimately God is the one who blesses it. There's just on so many different levels, there are blessings by spending time in the garden. But I wanna talk to you about awe and mental health. Now awe is kind of an elusive experience. I mean, it's hard to define exactly what awe is, but Fascinatingly, And I'm, I was surprised to even discover that researchers have been doing study after study on awe, on the experience of awe. You know, we use the word awesome and that word has become a little cliche. I mean, people just use it for almost anything. Awesome. But historically it really meant awe some right like filling you with awe maybe you go to the grand tetons or maybe you're at the beautiful ocean surf or something in nature or even in the garden for that matter you can have these awe-inspiring experiences and what is the research showing awe-inspiring experiences researchers have discovered that awe-inspiring experiences in nature can increase well-being and life satisfaction or basically happiness the day of the experience but the benefits including lowering stress for a week. So spending time in nature and having these awe inspiring experience can actually make you happier for an entire week even if you just do it one day. And so thinking about this, if this is true and God knew this cause he's the creator, you know, he's the grand biologist, right? He is the, uh, you know, great physician And if he knew there was this great benefit you know maybe he could have done something about that maybe he could have like given us a day a day that we would take off of work because we may be prone to just working every day but a day that we would take off and remember him as the creator and maybe remember creation well guess what he did he gave us a sabbath day and I'm gonna show you a video clip from a documentary that my wife and I produced called Ancient Health. It's like an hour and a half documentary, but, and if you have any interest, check it out at anchorpointfilms.com, anchorpointfilms.com, but I'm gonna show you just a few minute video clip looking at some of the science of this seven day cycle.
2: Every one of us is programmed with a body clock that body clock still functions if we were to lock ourselves up in a cave for many days. In fact, researchers have done this. And they find that people, even when they're cut off from all time cues, no light and dark cues, no newspapers, no television, no wristwatches, no cell phones, these individuals still stay on a circadian rhythm, circa meaning about, DN referring to a day. So it's about a 24 hour rhythm. It's best to take that rest until the next morning or a rest on the weekly cycle. But beyond the circadian rhythm, we also have weekly rhythms. They're called circa septin rhythms. And we in humanity all march to a seven day week. Every culture throughout the world that I'm aware of still adheres to a weekly cycle of seven days.
3: And there's times when humanity has tried to change that. The French tried to make everything metric, including the week. And tried to change it into a 10-day week with 10 hours 100 minutes in each hour 100 seconds in each minute and the mental institutions filled up because the decade which is what they called the week led to decadence and everything fell apart the other amazing thing about what science has shown is that every living creature has a seven day rhythm and that's more than just humans a lot of people think well humans march to a seven-day week because somehow it started early in civilization we just hung on to that uh, but why is it that flies have a seven-day rhythm why is it that algae have a seven-day rhythm and plants have a seven-day rhythm those things uh, can't read the bible the lunar month isn't divisible by seven The year is not divisible by seven. There's nothing in the planets that we can find. And so the question is why seven? It brings me back
2: to that very ancient council in the Bible where God
3: said that he had given this day of rest to his people. I think that speaks to what the Bible has to say in regards to how we began, how life began. It was a common designer. A common creator that programmed in this seven-day rhythm. He called it a Sabbath, a day where we could come apart. And I think it's powerful evidence, actually, for a creator God.
2: One of the interesting things about Seventh-day Adventists is that they keep the Sabbath holy from sundown Friday until sundown on Saturday.
3: Sabbath keeping actually does have some significant mental health advantages. There's an improvement in IQ, even though they don't study on sabbath or go to school on sabbath so circus rhythms is not just something from the culture it's
2: actually something biologically innate
3: there's benefit to a nightly rest but also benefit to a weekly rest
2: so these things are part of our physiology what is so interesting to me as a physician if we cooperate
3: if we collaborate with these rhythms we do best you know you can't underestimate the remedy of what i call vitamin r uh, which is rest uh, and if it were sold in bottles it would be the most popular vitamin on the market it's
0: quite powerful to think about the fact that there's no there's no reasonable reason that we can find in nature for why there is a seven day cycle and why cultures all around the planet have done it excluding the bible Outside of the Bible, there's no logical reason. How did they know that there's this physiological aspect of our being, that in the core of our seemingly in our DNA, in the DNA of creatures around the world, and even in plants seemingly, that there's this seven-day rhythm? Why would that be there? And why would the givers of scripture, meaning those who wrote the Bible, tell us about this seven-day cycle? They must have been in communion. With the Creator God gave the Sabbath and what we see is a day to remember him as a creator because six days he labored making this world and and all that is in it and on the seventh day he rested and then He gives it to us to remember him as a creator and all of his commandments as we saw on Deuteronomy 6 24 all of his commandments are for our good always so what does that mean it means that when God commands something to us there's actually some benefit to us. And there's a mental benefit and a physiological benefit for us to spend time with him and in nature on his Sabbath day.
1: How about awe-inspiring, other awe-inspiring, inspiring experiences? Researchers looked at people and their experiences with eight positive emotions, one of which is awe. Those who experience more awe in life had lower levels of interleukin six, which is a marker for inflammation. So awe may have longevity and health benefits. So how, how awesome is that? Just having an awe-inspiring inspiring experience causes us to have less inflammation in the body. How about other benefits to awe? It potentially lowers levels of materialism. We all need that helps people to be more humble, helps people to be more generous, helps people feel more connected to other people. Uh, That's something we all have really felt uh, during the the quarantine time. Uh, Things that help us experience awe. What are are some other ways other than just being in nature? Psalms 33 verse eight says, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him just thinking about god and his goodness and his love towards us his majesty um, his brilliance just thinking about him gives us this awe inspiring experience if we would just take that time to sit and contemplate god and his character it would bring on to our to our hearts and minds also psalms 119 verse 161 it says my heart stands in awe
0: of your words what a beautiful thought that we don't only have to uh, not have to but we, we don't only find awe in nature but we find it in god and we find it in his word by spending time and looking at god's creative power by looking at jesus love his compassion his patience with prostitutes with people who are alcoholics with sinners people caught in adultery jesus we can be stand in awe that he always was kind and loving to humanity and as we behold him as we spend time looking at him it changes us we have an awe-inspiring experience as we look at him and psalms 46 verse 10 says be still and know that i am god i will be exalted among the heathen i will be exalted in the earth one of the things that is beneficial for us to do is spend time daily in God's Word because you know there can be times where we can't get out the weather's too bad or what if you were thrown in prison even for your faith this happens around the world and it will be happening again to a very serious degree as the world gets worse and worse at the end of time the Bible tells us but even if we didn't have our Bibles we could still meditate on God meditate on his word the word we've stored up in our hearts and minds and we can still have that experience. But while we're in times of freedom, let's not take it for granted. Let's spend time out in nature. And, and, spend time, and I think about that. When I go for a hike, when I'm out working in the yard, I mean, we live out, I mean, literally next to the National Forest here. We can walk out our backyard in the National Forest. But I think about freedom. And I am, I am thankful that I have it. I literally am thankful, wow, Lord, thank you that I can go out and I can, I can go for a walk. I can work in the yard and and do these simple things because these times won't always be with us. But in the times that we have, take advantage, have these awe-inspiring experiences in nature, have it in his word and spend time in fellowship with others, even in nature is a very special thing to do. But spending time in God's word daily is really a necessity. It changed my life. and. Still a lot of change that needs to be done, but God uses his word to transform us. So we're gonna close with a word of prayer. Fadi, would you pray for us?
1: Dear Father in heaven, we just wanna thank you so much that you give us so many experiences in life and also this awe-inspiring experiences, Lord, whether it be in nature, in your word, in contemplating your character, uh, in interacting with others Lord you've given us these experiences and we just want to praise your name and Lord we thank you for nature and it's calming effect on us it's uh, ability to lower stress levels and lower our pulse and all these other things Lord and lower inflammation Father we just pray that you would um help us to take the time to go out and spend with you in nature and we thank you that we you've also Uh, told us to do it at least once a week, and that, that it has a lasting effect. And so we pray that we would learn to spend more time with you, especially on the Sabbath day. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.
0: This media was brought to you by AudioVerse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about AudioVerse,